Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. checking out the Get Happy with Jay podcast. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you who have taken time out of your day to spend with me and also with my special guest. Joining me today is therapist and superwoman Lauren. We're talking about a subject that is very personal to her, postpartum depression. This condition is defined as depression suffered by a mother following childbirth, typically arising from the combination of hormonal changes psychological adjustment to motherhood and fatigue. We'll delve more deeply into that definition in just a bit. Now, if you happen to be a woman beyond childbearing years or perhaps even one of our male listeners, don't turn us off just yet or hopefully not at all because this is such a common condition that you might just be able to learn something that you can use to help someone who is or may be going through it in the future. Also, I believe as we go further into this topic, we will see how postpartum depression is not really all that different from general clinical depression. And that is something that anyone can suffer from at any point in your life. Hello, menopause. This is not about me, though, so we'll skip menopause today and stick with the subject at hand. Postpartum depression, or the baby blues, as some call it, is very common. In fact, according to the CDC, that Center for Disease Control, it affects somewhere between 11 and 20 percent of all new mothers. Now let's get started with Lauren. Thank you so much for joining me again. Many of my regular listeners will remember you from an earlier episode about military families. So thank you for being with us here today to share how postpartum depression touched your life. So Lauren, let's get right into it. All right. First, let's talk about, um, before we get into specifically your um, case or situation with it, let's talk about what it is. I kind of gave a generic Mm -hmm. definition of it. So what is a further definition would you say is postpartum depression? So um, you mentioned in the intro um, that some people call it baby blues, which is true, but technically the baby blues are different than um, postpartum depression. So it's really, really common that um, after giving birth for a week or two, most women will experience what's called the baby blues, which is just kind of that surge of emotion, um, crying, um, just feeling kind of like on all these highs and lows. And mm-hmm. that lasts for a couple of weeks and it usually goes away on its own. And that affects about 80 percent of women. So most women experience that um, postpartum depression usually manifests a little bit later. Um, and that is different in that um, it's like you said, it, it mirrors kind of regular depression, which it can look a lot of different ways. Um, just kind of feeling sad, feeling irritable, feeling angry, um, just not feeling like yourself, being out of control of your emotions. Um, it can look a lot of different ways. There's also postpartum anxiety. 
um, which is different, um, which we can talk a little bit more about. But Mm -hmm. they're actually two pretty different things. Um, And you said the stats on postpartum depression is between 11 and 20 percent of women are affected by that and I believe it's actually a lot more which is something we can also talk about I can I can see that too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's kind of my quick summary but it's it's interesting because they give women at all of the doctor's appointments following um giving birth this i think it's the Edinburgh postnatal depression scale and it's just like a quick mm-hmm. 10 question um yes sometimes always type questionnaire um to figure out if they have postpartum depression but it's only 10 questions yeah. and um it's very limited um it kind of I think there's a lot more symptoms than are on there so it's hard to diagnose based on that do you remember like during your pregnancy mm-hmm. before giving birth to um, your son your OB talking to you that kind of preparing you that that is something that could happen because I don't remember that with my pregnancy mm-hmm. um, they definitely talked to me about it after because of course everyone that listens to this podcast knows that my son was stillborn so they talked to me about it afterwards to let me know that in addition to grief, I may have postpartum depression like Mm -hmm. on top of that, which I don't really know. I can't tell if I did or didn't because Mm -hmm. the grief was so bad. I don't know. Right. You know how much of that possibly was postpartum depression as well. Yeah. I mean, I I don't recall them talking to me about it beforehand. I did some it was like a, I don't know, like a preparing for baby class or something where I think uh-huh. it was just like very lightly touched upon. But, um, you know, when you're pregnant, you're so focused on the birth and your birth plan. And, yeah. you know, Absolutely. What, what stage is the baby at this week? Oh, it's as big as a mango. You know, yeah. it's all about the pregnancy. <laughs> and there's yeah. not a lot of thought or energy really given to the after what's yeah. going to happen next. Um, and so I think that kind of added to it in that there there really wasn't any preparation for it. Yeah. So do you think, and especially as someone who's also a mental health professional, do you think that that is something that should be talked about more with women so that they can be better prepared for it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, there is so much that can happen afterwards. And I, you know, I had some good experiences with the medical community following the birth of my son and before, and he had a good birth experience. Mm -hmm. He was healthy. Everything was fine. But I also have a lot of issues with how postpartum depression was addressed, mm-hmm. um, which was really kind of one of my main things. You know, they at you go to all of these appointments, you know, to get checked up on, and then there's the baby has to go to the pediatrician to get checked up on, and if you're breastfeeding, you might meet with like a lactation consultant, and this all happens within the first few months after yeah. the baby's born, and at every appointment, they have to give you this depression scale, which is great, but the way, at least in my experience, that it was approached was every time it was like they handed me this piece of paper, kind of rolled their eyes, and were like, I know this is annoying, but we just have to fill this thing out. Like, it was so dismissed. Oh, that's awful. And Because I could see how for some women, if it's already given to you in a dismissive way mm-hmm. that you may not feel comfortable necessarily even being honest about the scale. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the scale, like I said, it's 10 questions and I would mm-hmm. answer it honestly. You know, 
there are things on it like um, I've thought about harming myself. Well, I, I never did. That didn't apply to me. I felt like I blamed myself when things went wrong. Not really. You know, I was sleeping okay. There was a question about, like, are you having a hard time sleeping? Well, when I was able to sleep, I slept pretty good. So Wasn't that going to be natural when you've got a newborn? Right. <laughs> exactly. So I just kind of thought, you know, I don't really, I mean, some of these symptoms, sure, but I think that's kind of normal and they're just dismissing it. So I didn't really put a lot of weight on it. And mm-hmm. I feel like it would have made such a difference if one of those doctors would have sat down and looked me in the eye and said, we have to fill this out, but let's talk about it. You know, this is just a list of 10 things. How are you really doing? Mm -hmm. And ask me those questions. Um, That And and again, I say that most of those appointments happen right in the beginning. And like I said earlier, postpartum depression usually doesn't manifest till a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really feel like mine manifested more around like three-ish month mark. And by that point, I was done. Excuse me. I was done seeing doctors, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they. I really wasn't having the opportunity to talk about these things anymore. And I think in my head, I just assumed that um, postpartum depression would have manifested right from the get-go. So you did you recognize what it was at first? Because like I said, you're also a, a mental health professional. So in your work as a therapist or your training or education or whatever were you familiar at all with postpartum depression and what it was um I was familiar with depression from Mm -hmm. working with clients and um I had some family history of it and had struggled a little bit with regular depression earlier in my life so I think being a therapist it was kind of a blessing and a curse for me so yeah I feel like maybe someone that didn't have that background and that training wouldn't have recognized those signs and just thought, you know, the doctors are dismissing this. I think just I'm not sleeping and kind of pushed it aside. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of my training, I knew, okay, wait, no, these are if, – if I were talking to myself as a client, I would diagnose myself with this. Mm-hmm. So that helped me. But then on the flip side, I say it's a blessing and a curse because I felt like, well, I also know how I would help that client, what I would tell that client to do. Mm-hmm. So I can figure this out on my own. I don't need help was yeah. my initial thought, which – wasn't the right way to go about it but yeah and I think that's pretty typical because I know I work more directly with clients now and in other situations I go through like in my personal life or whatever Mm -hmm. I sometimes say now if I were talking to a client I would tell them x y or z and I know to do it but I'm not doing it so I think that's pretty typical Yeah, yeah I had to definitely kind of Uh, practice what I was preaching to other people a little bit with that. And I think, again, I think those statistics are low because I think if people aren't familiar with depression or Mm -hmm. postpartum depression and it's been skated over so much, um, how could they really know what they're going through? Yeah. So Yeah, because I think a lot of it could be just dismissed as, you know, oh, it's just little hormone fluctuations, mm-hmm. or maybe I feel this way just because I'm overwhelmed because of the baby. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're a first time mom and it happens and yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's so many different things going on too, that mm-hmm. you might not be able to see through it to see what it exactly is. Yeah. So how, so you said for you, it happened about three months after your son was born mm-hmm. roughly. Mm-hmm. So 
how long though then when you first became kind of symptomatic did you actually realize that this is what it was or did you kind of also kind of float along for a while and think okay maybe this is just normal with the after having a baby I feel like I realized it fairly soon um it took me a while to realize I couldn't deal with it on my own yeah I remember sitting down at dinner one night and telling my husband like I just I feel so sad I just don't feel like myself I feel like I'm not doing a good job you know I had all of these things mm-hmm. and I said to him I and, and he was encouraging me well why don't you talk to somebody like talk to your friends you have so many people you know that have babies I'm sure they could relate and I am immediately truly thought I can't think of anyone who is experiencing what I'm experiencing that would be embarrassing and he said well how do you know they're not experiencing it or how do you know they haven't experienced it and I said well they post all these you know pretty pictures on social media and I just here I am just floating in love with my kid and everything is wonderful and I just that's I I mean looking back now that's obviously so ridiculous that I truly just thought everyone just had this wonderful blissful thing but that's what we're posting on social media and there's nothing wrong with that I mean Mm -hmm. it's a highlight reel I'm not going to post a picture of myself crying and covered in baby spit up I'm (laughs) going to post a cute picture of him doing something funny and talk about it yeah and once I kind of realized like wait a second you know that's just social media that's not necessarily the full picture of a life yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I kind of realized okay maybe but I I didn't really want to reach out to anyone right away but I did start kind of reading articles um looking at what other people's experiences were with it um drawing a lot of similarities of okay I don't feel like I'm the only one that's experiencing this because these people are in these articles are saying things that I'm also experiencing Mm -hmm. and Um, was that comforting to you that yeah I'm not crazy Mm -hmm. I'm not an anomaly this is actually something that happens to other people too yeah it was kind of a slow process of that not realizing I wasn't alone you know from the articles I think there was something I must have liked something on Facebook an article about postpartum depression I think it was actually maybe it was Chrissy Teigen had just come out and said that she had been experiencing that and I I think I just liked it I didn't even post it on my wall but a friend of mine had just seen that I had liked it somehow and she reached out to me and said hey I saw you like this article I really struggled with postpartum depression like is that something you're struggling with and I was like yes (laughs) (laughs) yes let's talk about it and she reached out to me and she just was so honest about her experience and I for the first time thought like okay like this was somebody Mm -hmm. that from her pictures and her social media I would have no idea Mm -hmm. so just that kind of opened the door and then that's kind of when I made a call to my doctor and to a therapist from that point and so from that point did you feel supported and understood especially with your doctor once you approached your doctor about it yeah, so that was an interesting experience. I called to make the appointment and... And was this with your OB or... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just called and, you know, they asked, well, what's the appointment for? What are you wanting to come in for? And I just like burst into tears and I, I was just like, I just feel like kind of depressed. And they were like, okay, honey, like, that's fine. Like, we'll put you in, come in tomorrow. And I went in there and... 
um, I was so like embarrassed about it initially. I didn't want anyone to think I was a bad mother. That was a huge yeah. part of me not wanting to talk about it is I didn't want people to think I was a bad mother because um, I already felt like I wasn't doing a good job myself. So, mm-hmm. but the doctor, um, she was kind of like, hey, like, oh, I see you've been struggling with depression. Oh my gosh, you're like the fourth or fifth person this morning who's been in here about that. And that was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not the only person. So it, it was like these little tiny steps that I made of realizing every time, like, I'm not so alone. I'm not so alone. Mm-hmm. And just kind of moving through that. And she put me on just like a low dose antidepressant. And then I got myself into therapy as well. So did the antidepressant, do you think that helped and did it help immediately or? Um, so most antidepressants take about three to five weeks to really kick in, um, mm-hmm. which I think is important for any kind of depression for people to realize that. I think sometimes people try something for a week. It isn't helping. They give up. You yeah. really have to give it some time. And I knew that as a therapist. So um Did you have any concern about being put on an antidepressant because you're kind of like told in a certain sense that, oh, if you get on this then you're going to be stuck on an antidepressant for the rest of your life and Mm -hmm. you'll never be able to handle your emotions on your own? Did you have any fear of that? Because Uh, that is said a lot. Yeah, I think for me, I... My bigger fears was I was breastfeeding and I was worried about the safety of being on an antidepressant, which it's completely safe. I wanted to make sure of that. And then like there's just side effects. You know, sometimes there's weight gain or sometimes there's, I don't know, all sorts of different side effects, stuff with eating too much or not having an appetite, feeling foggy, etc. So um, I knew that and I just decided, you know, this is something it's I don't it doesn't matter. Um that you needed just are. the relief at that point. Yeah. 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 And it did help. I think it kind of helped me, I don't know, like cross a bridge. I don't take it now. I only took it for, I don't know, maybe six months, if mm-hmm. even that. It kind of just helped me get over a hump. And, mm-hmm. and that I think it is a myth that you have to be on one forever or whatever. That's not true. And especially with postpartum, it's different than depression in that it is, there's, some hormonal relations there. Um, So there's more of a chance of it going away at some point, basically. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, with antidepressants, in general, it's something that you don't necessarily have to be on forever. There, it was uh, that was a piece of my puzzle of what kind of helped me, but there was tons more things that I did. I don't believe that just a medication is the most effective way you know Mm -hmm. like I said I also got myself into therapy and I can tell you a ton of other things that I did too it was all these building blocks that really helped me um so yeah it was just one piece of the puzzle and was it hard for you as a therapist yourself to accept that you needed to see a therapist? And what was the process like with that? Because I can imagine being a therapist and you're extra critical and extra careful about who you pick to see. Yeah. Did that go into it at all? It did. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, I feel like there's... I mean, I've seen other therapists in therapy before. And there is a little bit of awkwardness, especially at first, because it's yeah. like, you know... I already kind of know all the stuff you're going to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I already know 
you know, what it's like, but I think it was really just that piece of having somebody that was not my husband and not my friends because while they're so important in the support system, sometimes it's really important to have somebody completely outside of the situation. Yeah, completely unbiased. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it is a super healthy thing for a therapist to be in therapy themselves. I, yeah. I, I personally yeah. feel like everyone Absolutely. should be in therapy, I especially agree. <laughs> at certain points in your life when you're having some difficulties and you feel like you're flailing a bit because <clears throat> it happens at different points in your life. It happens in like young adulthood when you're mm-hmm. making that transition from being a kid into an adult. That's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start to have kids, when you get married, there's just these different periods in your life where it would be helpful to you to have that extra assistance. Absolutely. I mean, how cool is it that you could just have this person that their job is to just like wholeheartedly support you and help you everyone needs that Mm -hmm. go out and get yourself a therapist everybody and (laughs) and you don't necessarily get that from your friends and loved ones right yeah because they all have a certain point of view Mm -hmm. they're you know bringing their own biases into whatever that you're going through or think that you know you can just handle it the way they did or whatever right So, yeah, to have someone that's completely unbiased and that's someone that can kind of normalize, I guess, how you're feeling Mm -hmm. so that you don't feel like you're crazy or or that you're the only one going through this. Because it was so helpful to me, even in grief therapy, just to have someone else be able to verbalize what I was feeling that I really couldn't put into words Mm -hmm. and then sitting there talking to her and then I could be like, yes. That's exactly Uh how I'm feeling. I couldn't have worded it that way, but that's it. And it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. this isn't some abnormality. I mean, this is part of whatever process that you're going through. So it's so important. So for our our listeners out there, go to a therapist. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. It doesn't mean that you necessarily are inept in any way that you can't handle things yourself. It's just important for you. I think it's such a strength, honestly. It is. Just to be able to get to the point I mean it was hard it's hard to get to the point where you say okay I can't fix this on my own I need help I mean that's a hard thing to do so that I think especially as as women don't you think I don't don't want to necessarily generalize that Mm -hmm. but you know we're the nurturers we naturally take care of things and other people and a lot of times put ourselves last yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely was a really important piece and I just truly out of coincidence my therapist that I ended up seeing had just come back from maternity leave herself for her second child I had no Mm -hmm. idea knowing that going in but it was like okay this is where I'm supposed to be because she like got it you know she Mm -hmm. was right there with me um so yeah it was very helpful for sure and speaking of having a second child Mm -hmm. my question is do you have any fear for future pregnancies and future kids that you could face this again or having faced it now does that make you feel like okay been there done that kind of know what to expect or doesn't even Uh, happen that much with other pregnancies once it's happened with your first it depends I think you know some people don't experience it until their second third fourth whatever pregnancy Mm -hmm. um Or they experience it at different levels. Every child is so different. 
Um, I think one of my strengths will be that now I really know what it looks like. I know what helped me. I know mm-hmm. how to get through it. That Because really, you're a new mom. Everything is new. Everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing is the same in your life. And so it's, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, sometimes... It, it isn't the first child. And sometimes it's down the line or you realize in retrospect, oh, wait, I maybe I was depressed with the first one now that I'm on my third one. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, that was something, I guess, kind of along those lines was I felt like um, how I said that every child is so different. I think the amount of time it takes to connect to your child mm-hmm. differs too. So I heard it somewhere compared to just falling in love. You know, sometimes you fall in love at first sight and it's hard and it's fast and it's just this feeling. And other times it's a slow burn. Yeah. And I've heard some moms say, and I, I can't even remember mm-hmm. where, but I, multiple times that some moms have admitted that it's not that they didn't like their baby, but almost like an indifference kind of like there Mm -hmm. just wasn't an attachment and they were alarmed by that like I'm just supposed to be so overwhelmingly in love with this little person yeah and it's like they kind of didn't feel it like what's wrong with me I think it's normal and I didn't know that was normal because again you you prepare so much in pregnancy and for the birth and you just assume it's going to be like on the movies where you see this little baby and you just explode with love and you're automatically connected, which does happen. You know, a lot of people experience that way, but not everyone does. And that's okay because I I loved my son so much and that the day he was born was truly the best day of my life. But I did not really form that deep, deep bond until, I don't know, four or five months Mm-hmm. And I thought I had so much shame and guilt over that. Like, I can never tell anybody this. Yeah. And I realize he will maybe be old enough to listen to this podcast one day. But I, <laughs> I say I want to say these things honestly yes. because it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's not that I didn't love him. It was just, like I said, so falling in love is different. And for us, it was a slow burn. And yeah. it was very my expectations of what it would be like was very different than all of a sudden here's this person that I don't really know living in my house keeping me up all night <laughs> um I was a very very independent person always have been so everything I was used to and knew was different and um it was kind of a loss of identity in a way and it's something mm-hmm. I realized through the therapy process that I kind of needed to grieve yeah that I couldn't be who I was before I couldn't do a lot of the things I could before I it, I couldn't just be this independent career driven person all the time and figuring out that balance and how I could Mm -hmm. have both it was really a process that I had to work through and it's so interesting that you say that because you can use that same analogy with so many other different things in Mm -hmm. life like even if you experience grief or some kind of trauma or any kind of difference in life even just getting married and then all of a sudden you're not this single carefree person but Mm -hmm. there's this other person now that you have to consider absolutely So yeah, so at different points in your life, you may have to kind of, as you say, kind of grieve who you were as you move into the new elements Mm -hmm. of who you are. Yeah. And what your new normal is going to be. Yeah, that was a hard thing to, I I felt guilty for that too, because it's like I wanted this baby and I, I love him so much. Why should I grieve him? You know, but that's, I wasn't grieving him. I was just grieving this 
this loss of myself and that was okay and that didn't mean I loved him any less it didn't mean I was a bad mother it's just a part of life and like you said like with with marriage or graduations or moving all of those are stressful events even though they're happy wonderful events Mm -hmm. they can be very stressful and I think it's good to acknowledge that that change of any kind even positive stuff it can be really hard and yeah I can see how that's especially um hard to acknowledge as a new mom Mm -hmm. and that kind of uh, draws into like the feeling of shame because you're supposed to be so happy and it's like the best thing that's ever happened to you and it's such a blessing and you should be grateful Mm -hmm. but at the same time having to also admit that I'm suffering from postpartum depression was Mm -hmm. it hard for you to um explain that to family and friends did anyone in your life kind of catch on to what you might have been going through or wonder what was going on with you I think mainly my husband um just because he was there you know probably and I talked to my mom about it um and she was great in helping me and I think she probably experienced some similar stuff when she had either me or my brother or both I'm not really sure um but yeah, I think I, I felt a lot of support, um, but it was hard. It was hard to talk about. I, I again, had such, I think a big part of the de- depression is just feeling the guilt and the shame and feeling inadequate. There were so many times I thought, you know, gosh, he would just be so much better off with somebody that wasn't going through this. Um and feeling like that. So to talk out loud and say those things, um, I didn't want anyone else to think that I wasn't capable or that I couldn't care for him. Yeah. So what was it like parenting through that? Because I mean, just like if you have like general clinical depression, Mm -hmm. it's like you have to go through your life. Like if you have a job, you've got to go to work, you've got to do this and you've got to do all these things as you're walking through it in kind of like this fog of depression. So Mm -hmm. What was it like parenting through the worst of that, especially? It was hard. It was so hard. I mean, the way that, I mean, think of it this way. This is going to be kind of a dramatic comparison, but bear with me. So in, when they're torturing soldiers, part of what they do is sleep deprivation, um, random alarms going off, Mm -hmm. uh, random times waking them up, not letting them um, sleep, uh, and then you know, there's all of the the psychological mind stuff. And so, I mean, it's pretty similar to being a new mom. You're not sleeping. My son was not a good sleeper. Mm -hmm. Um, He would wake up and cry at random times. So even if I did get to sleep, it was like, boom, now he's awake. And then it was just this constant alarm of desperation. And, you know, you're so, so exhausted, so Mm -hmm. tired that you're just in this fog and I mean it's hard and there would be times I think a lot of my depression manifested in irritability which I think is another thing people don't really think about um I mean I used to think of depression as just like blue and sad and yeah you can't get off the couch yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean that's kind of like the picture we get but a lot of it is anger and irritability and sometimes even rage um I mean I remember like the dog barking at a squirrel outside and just flying off the handle Mm because I was just so irritable like anything could just set me over the edge or you know I my son wasn't sleeping and him being up and I'm so so tired just absolutely exhausted and I remember putting him in his 
crib and going out into the hallway and I'm like throwing a legit toddler tantrum screaming like (laughs) jumping up and down punching walls I mean things I'm so not proud of and and but that's I mean that's sometimes the point you get to of Mm -hmm. just this is almost like you just have that's actually kind of like a release in a way yeah because things get so pent up inside Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like you can't do anything the if the baby's awake and needs something the baby's awake and needs something like you can't just be like go to bed for five more minutes no like you just it it can become such a desperation and then when you're already feeling all these feelings and then after which was almost the worst part I'd have like a toddler tantrum out in the hallway and then I felt guilty and like I can't believe I acted that way and then -hmm. it would just be this rush of shame and like who am I like I why am I acting like this this isn't myself and it was just this spiral that would happen Mm -hmm. and it was it was hard I mean I feel like I did a lot of things I kind of figured out what worked for me um Mm -hmm. you know to help and realizing when I needed to ask for help when I needed to ask for a break I want to thank Lauren once again for being so open and transparent about what can be a very sensitive subject we're just getting started with this conversation so please check out part two coming next week especially since we'll be talking about how to overcome postpartum depression in the meantime if you or someone you know has experienced postpartum depression let us know how you coped the easiest way to reach me is on our Facebook page get happy with Jay you can also leave me a comment on the website gethappywithjay.com. Please like, share, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us just about everywhere, including iTunes. And I want to say a special thanks to the listeners who have given the podcast a review on iTunes. I was checking out my listener analytics and noticed the reviews. I actually shed tears at how kind the comments were. It means so much to know that our happy movement is connecting with you guys. Until next week, when Lauren and I join you again, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish, it's self-care. Love ya.